Welcome back to Confessions of a High Strung Woman. My name is Abby Walker, and as always, I am incredibly honored that you would say take some time out of your crazy busy schedule in your day to spend it with me and for us to have just what I hope are some really honest conversations because... Y'all, there is so much pretense. There are so many angles. Everybody has an agenda. And my heart here is really to just be honest and be like, man, these are some things that I've learned. And specifically, these are some things that have brought tremendous freedom in my life. From everything from being a preacher's daughter to a total people pleaser to dealing with my own codependency. Like, we all have baggage. You know what I mean? But I... I'm all about proven methods, okay? I'm I'm all about proven truths and applications that can enable us to live a much better, richer, freer, happier life where we just haul tail and we're going after the dreams that God has given us. So today, podcast number seven has this very fancy title, which is just Let Them Talk. Let them talk because, sis, they're going to talk anyways. It doesn't matter what you do or what you say or how hard you try. People are going to talk. And the crazy thing is, is I sat down to kind of do the research and, and like map out my thoughts for this um, podcast. I was like, gosh, this is so it's just such a force in our lives. And not just as women, I think for everybody, we have been taught to live in fear of what other people say about us or even what we think they're going to think about us. Man, I wish that I knew. I wish that I could go back in time to the very first time someone thought, oh no, what are they going to say about me? What are they going to think about what I'm doing? I mean, if I could go back to that moment, I would just try and like annihilate that moment because like I just said, like we have been taught to think this and to fear this. And there's, there's a difference between being like socially aware and aware of, aware of the things around us and aware of other people around us and, and being owned like literally being owned, feeling limited, boxed in, and just like minimized to live in such a way that other people understand, approve, support, or, or, or literally just can say, oh, okay. We live in that place. And think about it. I mean, we guide, we direct, and we aim our daily choices, our major decisions, and all of our social relationships based on what we think that we can predict other people will say about it, feel about it, or think about it. That fear, the, oh my gosh, what will they say? Or perhaps even a sharper arrow, a more specific point is the, I know that they're going to say this about me. Man, that has reigned over my life like a mean, cold-hearted, ruthless dictator for more days than I honestly would like to admit. I spent my life believing that if I could make other people happy with me, then I could be happy with me. And I mean, that is just... Like that, you can't live there. That'll make you crazy so, so fast. I mean, I believe that if I removed every speck of anything that they could criticize, that I would finally be safe. 
I would be safe there. I would be protected from anybody's criticisms or judgments or rejections, especially because if I got it right, then in my brain, they couldn't reject me. So I've told you guys this before, but I grew up in an extremely conservative Southern Baptist Christian household, and my dad was a pastor. He still is to this day, and I had people all up in my business all of the time. Like, I didn't just have to please my parents or my grandparents. I mean, I had hundreds of sets of parents that were like, uh, we need you to be a good example to our kids. And um, I found rejection and criticism to be so painful that I was like, hell no, I'm going to figure out how to avoid this. Um, And I dedicated myself to winning people over, not with like how great I was, but literally trying to just prove to them, like, you can't come at me. Like I'm, I'm going to get it so perfect and so right that you can't come at me with criticisms. The crazy thing is it's a total and complete fantasy to believe that you can finally get it right enough that people aren't going to criticize you. But man, I believed in it with my whole heart and soul. I mean, I poured my blood, sweat, and tears into the hardest work of all, and that was trying to win over the masses in my life. It's the hardest work of all because it's impossible. You cannot please everyone. You're not a margarita or chips and queso or pizza. Then again, as the surprisingly wise Adita Von Teese said, you can be the ripest, juiciest peach in the world, and there's still going to be somebody who hates peaches. I mean, that is so, so true. And the crazy thing is, is that the sooner that we latch on to that as truth and as literally an anchor... Like it's, it's an important, just like foundational point in your life to understand that you cannot possibly please everyone. You also can't possibly always please all of your family or all of your friends or everyone and you. And for me, avoiding pain, the pain of rejection and criticism took the form of perfectionism, always getting it right, never stepping out of line. I mean, high school ab, God bless her. I was a total goody two shoes, a complete rule follower out of just like panic and fear. Uh, Definitely a teacher's pet with an unfortunate love of sweater vests and high water jeans. I mean, y'all, I wanted to be cool. My sister was always way cooler than me, like fashion wise. Like she just really had it pulled together. I was super focused on getting it right. Katie had a broader spectrum for for her life and I think probably enjoyed life a lot more. Um, But but part of the reason why I was this way is that I wanted to do well, but most importantly, I did not want to mess up. Not even because I wanted to please Jesus, like I wasn't just such a pure-hearted saint or, or what that I wanted to please my parents, but it's because I wanted to be safe. I mean, my rigid need to be perfect wasn't out of principle, okay? It was out of a desperate emotional need to feel safe from the attacks and criticisms of of others. Perfectionism was literally like, it was my shield. But it gets so heavy when you're trying to do everything right that like you literally cannot walk under the weight of all of the things that you're trying to carry. And, And your armor becomes what kills you. 
So founded in all of this obsession with what others will think or say of us, we believe that to be criticized, it will cause us pain. Now, I experienced it as this pain. I know you've experienced it as pain. Um, criticism, gossip, and rejection absolutely wound us and, and hurt us deeply. But bear with me for just a second. Let's just say that someone is talking bad about you, but you don't know it, okay? You, you have no idea. Are you suddenly struck down with random pangs of rejection? Like there's a sniper, like they take you down or do you wake up, you know, one morning and you're like, man, my feelings are hurt and I can't, I don't necessarily know why. No, you and I, when we don't know that it's happening, we go on about our day and on about our lives without a hiccup. Okay. Think about that for just a second. How much of our lives, our energy, our time, our resources, could we take back if we stopped listening for, expecting, and paying attention to what other people are saying about us? I mean, we go back to this principle. We've been taught to fear what others say about us, what they think of us. We've also been taught that it should cause us pain, that it does equal rejection, and that it's bad, like we, we should avoid it. My hope here, though, in this thought is that we can also teach ourselves and our children and our families for future generations not to care so much about what other people say or what, about what other people think, to walk in freedom. Now, there's a necessary level of being socially aware. If people are like, man, you're hurting me. This, you, you don't seem like you're okay. Like those, those are places where we need to listen. We need to open our ears and be open to hear, you know, what other people are saying. And it kind of goes back to that prayer that like I've talked about over and over again, but it's like, it's one of my mantras, Lord, separate the precious from the vile. I'll hear it out. And I'm going to take it to you and be like, is any of this true? Okay, the true stuff I need to hang on to and you and I are going to work through. And the stuff that is vile, it is the trash. It is it is the stinky garbage that I'm going to take out to the curb and somebody needs to come pick up and take away. That separation is super important. And so holding on to yourself and not listening to what other people say, I just want to say that like it's in wisdom. Okay, it's not just flat out like nobody can tell you anything because that that's that's real lonely too. And honestly, it's not smart. Okay. So my hope here is that we can teach ourselves not to care so much, to walk in freedom. We work at living our lives in such a way that makes us proud. We're the ones who have to live with us. Dr. Seuss, always wise, comes in strong with be who you are and say what you feel. Because those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. Here's the truth, okay? Here's the truth. I sound like Jerry Smith. Here's the truth. In trying to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. And most importantly, yourself. In trying to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. That's an absolute guarantee. And most importantly, yourself. Sis, you have to live with you. You have to live with who you are. You have to be proud of who you are. When we don't pick us, when I don't pick me, when you don't pick you, and I have a lifetime of experience in people pleasing to, to say this, we end up lost, depressed, frustrated, and without a doubt, eventually mad as hell. 
Why? Because we'll keep trying and trying and dying and dying a thousand deaths to try to make them like us. And it will never, ever work. Why? I'm not saying that everybody's bad. I'm saying that it will never work to get everybody to like you because everyone's different. I mean, yeah, not every, there's going to be people out there who hate peaches. Not everybody's going to like vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream or whatever. Like we are all created differently. And what that means is that our, what we're drawn to and what we're attracted to, like that, that forms these connections and even like these alliances, they're based in our uniqueness. And if you have a bunch of people that like you because you behave a certain way, sis, I got to tell you, they don't really like you. Because you're not showing up as you. They like this performance that you're giving. They like this version of yourself, this particular costume or whatever. But the the other side of this that like I don't feel like we ever, I don't know, really acknowledge or talk about is that when you do everything so that everybody will like you, you end up in some of the deepest, most depressing loneliness ever. Because... On the surface, it looks like people like you, but at the same time, you're like, I am not known. And not only am I not known, but I've turned on myself. I've betrayed and rejected myself. I've said, Lord, what you've made is not good enough, and I need to be all of these other things so that these people will like me. And it is a slippery slope into a really, really dark place. The thing is, our sacred ground is this is who you made me. This is what I like and what I don't like. This is what I feel passionately about. This is what I don't care so much about. But I'm going to show up fully as me. Because if I don't show up fully as me, I will never be the parent, the wife, the sister, the the person in the job that, that God created me to be because he created you to be unique. He created you on purpose and all of the things that he put inside of you that make you unique, all of the things that maybe not everybody lines up with like, oh yeah, I think this is great. This is my favorite thing ever. Or I agree with this or whatever. All of those things are essential parts of your genetic, emotional, spiritual, physical, mental makeup that God intentionally put together in the cocktail of you to put you in the situations of your life. Broken down to an easier formula is he made you the way he made you so that you could be the perfect mom to your kids. I don't mean perfect like always getting it right and never messing it up, but I mean your kid needs all of the real you. Your husband needs all of the real you. And sis, you need all of the real you. So Anyone on the outside of us should not have this much power over us. They don't have to live with you. I mean, for starters, like they don't have to live the rest of their lives with you. You have to live with you. So when it comes down to choosing between what's right for you, what makes you happy and what they are saying is right for them, girl, pick you every single time. Pick you and trust the Lord to handle the rest, to handle them. Pick you and let your kids see that they don't have to be owned by people. They don't have to be afraid of people. Pick you and let your family see how freedom brings so much more joy in your lives. Pick you and rest in the fact that Jesus can handle your reputation. Oh man, whether they love you or they hate you, if you pay too much attention to them, they own you. You're a slave to win them over 
or you're a slave to keep pleasing them. Man, I have so been there. I mean, breaking, winning somebody over, like trying to get them to like you is hard enough, but breaking free from a place that you have decided, like you have found some affirmation in, even if it's not like the real you, it is tough to let go of. Like it is, it was so hard for me when I took the step into, you know, secular music away from the church stuff, because the church stuff, even though I was suffocating and all of the rules and all of the expectations and being the gentle and quiet spirit and all that kind of stuff, it was still this sense of like, but at least I know who I am and I'm worth something. Even in this place, I may not be living up to my full value and potential of all the things that I know that I know that is inside of me, but at least I have this. Oh, all right. Perfectionism kills creativity. It kills life. I mean, this, you can see this so much in the life of an artist. Like, let's take somebody that, you know, like a, a musical artist or an actor, somebody that you really love. There's tremendous freedom for artists before they make it. You know, they say that, like, you have a lifetime to write your first record. And writing your second and third records can be really challenging, especially if you've been successful. Before you're successful, yeah, we all believe that we would die to be successful and have everyone love us. But there are so many stories of depression, artistic writer's block, so much conflict um, once they have, quote, won people over, once they've been a success, like one hit song, one hit movie, one hit TV show. They now feel completely pigeonholed to keep producing, keep doing what made people love them. On top of that, there's a ton of pressure because the music business is still a business. They are trying to sell all of the things, whether it's downloads, which that doesn't make any money, <laughs> but tickets to shows, merch, appearances, like song placement, all that kind of stuff. You get in all this pressure to keep making people money when you wrote the song, not necessarily just to make money, but because it was an expression of where you are in that moment or something that you thought was fun or whatever. Artists change. We grow. Like you won't, you, very rarely will you sit down with an artist and they'll be like, oh, I love everything I've ever done. They're like, man, that's where I was at and I'm not there yet anymore and I can't wait to make something new because it is a fresh expression of who we are and where we are in that moment. So let me just go back to this. When you have found success in any of these places and you're the thought of stepping away from it, even though it's success in not being the real you, okay? Even though it's success in something that was true for you for a moment, but that isn't where you are now, like you feel pigeonholed to keep producing, to keep doing what made people, quote, love you, that can be really tough. I mean, I know that for me, I, I was so focused on not getting it wrong that I didn't risk much for most of my life. And perfectionism does kill creativity. I mean, when we live our lives trying just not to lose, we literally end up losing our life. Like it doesn't, it, it doesn't work. It's, you know, playing, playing not to lose effectively sets you up to never grow, to never do anymore. And you've gotten so focused on what you do have that if there are any changes there, if there are any losses or any of those things, like you just, you lose your mind. That's not a healthy, vibrant life. I mean, so here's the thing. When it comes to trying to live in such a way that nobody's going to talk bad about you, here's what I want to tell you from, 
from all of my experience. Since they're going to talk anyway, you might as well make it worth their while. I mean, make it worth their while. Go full Bonnie Ray. Let's give them something to talk about, okay? Go big with your life. Let them talk. It doesn't matter what you do. They're going to talk anyways. And if we can train our minds and we can train ourselves to be like, man, I used to really value this. I now know that this is just kind of a total racket. Like there's no way that I'm ever going to win these, you know, to get everybody on my side. So I'm going to shift my value from what other people say about me to how I feel about me. Am I, am I proud of my life? Am I showing up? Am I fully who I am? That's the new place where we value courage over perfectionism. We can't base the rightness or the wrongness of what you're doing based on other people's responses to you. Um, I've said this before. It's still one of my favorite quotes, which is funny because usually when I come up with anything worth saying, it's because it's, I pulled it out of my journal. So my journal is where I just pour my heart out and I'm like, what the hell is happening in my life? How do I figure this out? And where are my anchor points of truth? Because the feelings are all over the place, right? Like emotions can best be described as water. They flow, they move, they change. Like I can be all over the place. And as a highly emotional woman, Having my anchors are very important. And so this is one of my anchors. The problem with living for other people's approval is that at any given moment, no matter what you're doing or how well you're doing it, you're being filtered through their mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual state. And most people are crazy as hell. They are. Let us live accordingly. What that means is you can bring somebody like... (laughs) here's the first draft of my book and they can be like, okay, y'all get to it. And that literally, like we can internalize that as I'm insignificant. It's not a big deal. We can come to people in moments of great vulnerability and really need to talk about things like breakups or disappointments or job losses. And when they don't respond in a way that makes us feel good, we internalize it and immediately we're like, it's something that's wrong with us. We did it wrong because everybody should respond well to us. When the truth is, Like you could come to me and say, and be ready to pour your heart out to me. And like, I'm just going to be real honest. I could be hangry. Okay. I could be angry, hungry, and it has nothing to do with you. And it has everything to do with the fact that I did not take care of myself in the right way and feed myself so that I don't rip people's heads off. There's nothing to do with you. You can encounter people at all different seasons in their lives, in all different places. And when somebody reacts ugly to you, I would just venture to say, like, number one, did I hurt someone without knowing it? That's a good question. The second one is, man, I wonder what they're going through. I mean, I wonder what it is. It is not to instantly internalize and turn on ourselves and say, this happened to me because I've done something wrong or I've done something bad. The other thing is that in these moments... Um, where we're living our lives or we're doing things that, that especially may be unconventional. Let's say that you do something, you know, quote radical, like with your kids or in your marriage or, you know, whatever. I mean, you pull your kids out of school to homeschool on them, homeschool them, or you decide that they shouldn't be in homeschooling. They should be in public school. And your, you know, mom group is like, we just can't even understand. Why would you do this? First of all, you have to stand your sacred ground. Like the most important thing for you as a mom in that place, from what I've observed, I'm not a mom. So this is not like the gospel. Okay. But the most important thing is that you do what's right for your kid. If the other moms don't understand it, they're going to be all right. 
and you're going to be all right. Like what a tragedy if you make major changes in your kid's life simply based on what other moms think or evaluate about your situation because they are never ever going to know all of your situation or all of what's going on. So like hold fast to that place. Um, let's say you do something like go to marriage counseling. (laughs) I can remember when, um, Ryan and I, uh, we got signed up with our marriage counselor who we desperately needed. We were at a really rough patch in our marriage. Um, I think everybody goes through that. I, I could not like, if I could give out marriage counseling gift cards for presents and prizes, I would like, I think it's, I just, I'm a big fan of therapy. And I remember when we were going and it was really rough and we went to literally like a guy out of Dallas that they call the therapist therapist. And I was like, yeah, that's who we need. We have like, we, we have professional grade problems. <laughs> we need, we're, we're too smart for our own good. We've studied a lot of things. We've overanalyzed things and like, we need some help. We don't need some like rookie therapist. We need somebody who's like, they got, they've been shot at. They've done several tours of emotional Iraq, like <laughs> sign us up. And I didn't know it, but later, um, and it was incredibly helpful for our marriage. It was hard. Ooh, marriage counseling is hard, but it's so, so good. It's a place that you show up and you fight for yourself and for your marriage. And I can remember my later, my mom being like, I, I literally thought he was, I thought this therapist, like he was going to, he was going to push all the divorce. Like it was going to be over. And I was so shocked because she never said that to me. And had I known that at the time, this is my mom, right? My person, my mama, um, it would have really, really rattled me, but I knew that that was right. And we went through it and we laugh about it now because that wasn't the death of our marriage at all. It wasn't, it didn't end in divorce. It it ended in like a vibrant, incredibly healthy relationship and a breakthrough for us in, in where we were. People aren't going to get it. They're not always going to get your life. They're not going to get it because they can't see what you see. So you got to hold tight, hold strong to what you know to be true and what you feel like you really heard from the Lord and what you feel like is your sacred ground for you. So hold tightly to your calling, to your vision, to your life. Don't you dare let go of how God has called you to live, to parent, to teach, to do your job, to be married, to be single. However it is, if others don't understand, it's it's because they just can't see it. And you know what? That's okay. It's going to feel lonely. It sucks to not be understood. But as long as you can see, as long as you know, that's your sacred ground and you're going to be fine. I promise you, you're going to be a lot better off than if you give what other people think about you a lot of time and a lot of effort. At the end of my life, when I stand before the throne and I look Jesus dead in the face, he is not going to ask me, Ab, did you win everybody over? Hell no. He's going to ask Sarah Abigail Walker Petkoff, were you true and faithful to the specific unique gifts, talents, joys, passions, and callings that I handcrafted and purposefully wove inside of your being? The collection of gifts that I gave to you to share with the world, to do what only you could do. Did you show up as you? Y'all, 
I'm hell bent on making sure that I do show up as the real me, that I let people say whatever they want to say, because you know what? As one of our listeners told me, their opinion of me is none of my business. I desperately hope and am praying that you find freedom in this place and that you can make the shift from worrying about what other people think and say in all of those places to the, the vision and the focus of living a life that you are proud of for showing up for yourself, for knowing your limits and knowing your boundaries and chasing hard after your calling. And the people that the Lord aligns you with as your friends, as your allies, as the other people in the arena, daring greatly and going after their lives, as unconventional and as misunderstood as it may be, those friendships, those connections are ones that will be deeper and richer and mean more to you than a long list of people who, quote, gets you because you're doing everything like they do. I'm so, so grateful that you spent some time hanging out today. This is obviously a message that's really, really close to my heart. And it's something that I'm constantly, you know, constantly working through. But man, may we aim higher than just pleasing the masses. May we show up in the fullness of who we are to lead, to parent, to love, and to live in a way that honestly just radiates the bigness and the glory of the God who made us. Thank you so much for tuning in to Confessions of a High Strung Woman. This is Abby Walker, and I will talk to you next time.